As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Even if we were smart enough or, or the tenant agreed to a 12-month payback of a deferral, how likely is it that they are going to recover to where they pay that back? First, a quick word from our best ever partner, PropStream. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties in seconds, nationwide or specific to any zip code. You can skip trace owner information, find cash buyers specific to an area, and find other investors to potentially partner with or fund your deals. PropStream provides you the comprehensive data and market insight you need to be at the top of your real estate game. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail. Even if you're not in real estate, PropStream can help you locate high net worth individuals to invest in your non-real estate business. Or if you are in real estate, then you can find them to invest in your real estate business. You can use this tool to find people who have millions of dollars in equity in their homes, and you can reach out to them via email, telephone, or snail mail. This is the perfect real estate investing tool for wholesalers and real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. I love how easy the PropStream website is to use. With a few clicks, you can review comps in the area or estimate rehab costs prior to purchasing a property. Act now to take advantage of the plethora of properties that have and will continue to hit the market during this time. And best ever listeners, do you know we got something special for you? You're going to receive a free seven-day all-access trial to experience all the features this powerful tool has, and you'll experience it firsthand. Just go to your7dayfreetrial.com. That's Y-O-U-R, the number seven, day freetrial.com get started with this get your seven-day free trial and start growing your business even more so than you have been best ever listeners today's guest is being interviewed by theo hicks you know theo he's with us every friday on follow along friday you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation so with that being said let's get going hello best ever listeners and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show i'm theo hicks and today we're speaking with beth azor beth how are you doing today I'm doing great, Theo. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us again, actually. So Beth is a repeat guest. Her last episode was episode 1974. So make sure you check that out. And today is Saturday. So we'll be doing Situation Saturday, talking about a sticky 
situation that our guest is in and lessons learned, things she's doing to get out of it. So before we get into that, let's go over best background as a refresher. So she is the owner of Azor Advisory Services. She has 30 years of experience investing in retail shopping centers. Her current portfolio consists of six centers valued at $80 million. She's based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and her website is bethazor.com. So Beth, before we get into the situation Saturday, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on today? Sure, Theo. So my background has been mostly retail, 35 years in the industry, started investing about five years in, so 30 years is correct. I've owned and operated shopping centers solely in South Florida. My six that I own today are within 10 minutes of my house. So definitely have some market knowledge there and some control. I like to have control. And I also train leasing agents how to lease vacancy around the country for large REITs, private investors, wealth funds, institutional clients. And I've canvassed, knocking on doors, over 10,000 hours. Wow, that's a lot of door knocking. That's a lot of door knocking. So as I mentioned, it is Situation Saturday. So we're going to talk about the future of shopping centers post-COVID. So Beth, I kind of let you just take it any direction that you want to start off, and then I can ask some follow-up questions after that. Sure, Theo. So in March, when COVID hit, and some of the tenants started calling us, the landlords, kind of crying, we might not be able to pay our rent, I held my first rent relief reduction webinar with over 700 people that attended, and I was very firm, right? Let them go to their business interruption insurance, hold firm, tell them no, and I had three since, so I've had four in all, and boy, what a change things have made. When the government shuts down your retail and the nail salons cannot open and the hair salons cannot open, the landlords have to pivot. Because if those tenants aren't taking in a dollar, you can't really be the tough old landlord that we might have been in 09, right? People ask me all the time, how's this recession compared to 09? It's completely different. It's a million percent worse because the government shut down the retailers. They told them, you cannot open. So I had acres and acres of parking lots with no cars in them. And it was very challenging. And I went from talking local tenants, mom and pops off ledges, crying to me on the phone, to talking to national tenants who had huge balance sheets, who were basically being rude and saying, sorry, we're not going to pay rent for the next year. And as a landlord, after about three or four weeks of that, probably in the April to May range, I decided that I had to have the local mom and pop day of phone calls and the national phone calls because I literally had to change my strength and armor and empathy depending on who I was speaking to. And that's something that in 35 years, I never thought I was going to have to do. Okay, so today's my day where I'm going to talk to all my mom and pop hair salons, barber shops, little coffee shops. Now, tomorrow, I'm going to talk to the big box retailers who have the balance sheet, who can pay me my rent so that I can pay the mortgage, but are just choosing to be jerks and not doing so. 
So that has been a huge, huge challenge. And just looking back and seeing how day one, we need to be tough <laughs> to now day, I don't know, what, five months later, where we're really propping up some of these mom and pop tenants, because if we don't, we will end up with 20 to 30 to possibly 40% more vacancy than we had five months ago. And there will be a lot of landlords and lenders having big discussions because I'm not sure if the lenders want to take back these properties full of vacancy. It's really kind of sad and scary. So for the mom and pops, when you say helping them out, propping them up, can you get a bit more specific on exactly, not necessarily what the conversations are like, but what the results of the conversation? So again, back in the beginning, we were like, no waivers, tough landlords. We're not going to give any waivers. We're only going to do deferrals to now five months later where we have to give waivers. I had hair salons and nail salons that literally were not open for over two and a half months, not pressing the cash register. So we can pretend to defer the rent for them to pay back later at some future date. But in reality, they've lost those sales forever. They're never getting them back. And even if we were smart enough or, or the tenant agreed to a 12-month payback of a deferral, how likely is it that they are going to recover to where they pay that back? So we are doing waivers for tenants that weren't open. Now, I have a sub shop guy that is doing 50% more business during COVID. Dining room's closed. He has an app. He's doing delivery. He's doing curbside and he's killing it. So he's doing double the sales that he did pre-COVID. So he's not getting any waiver or deferral and nor is he asking, right? So the tenants that are asking, smart landlords are helping and we're helping in ways of either deferrals and or waivers. With the national tenants, what we're doing and even with some of the locals is if we make a deal, It's as short-term as possible, right? So hopefully we'll all get back to some semblance of order soon. And if we can get something in return for the waiver or the deferral, that would be great. For example, I had a lease with a Panera Bread, and they wanted to defer, I think, April and May's rent, or 50% of April and May's rent to first quarter 2021. So I said, sure, but your lease is coming up in two years. I want you to renew now your second five-year option. And they said, no problem. So now I have a seven-year lease left, which is great for me. And all I did was kind of be their short-term lender, right? Where I just postponed getting my rent till first quarter 2021. And then in order to kind of get the information to know, this is more for the mom and pops, to know what situation that they're in. Is that what you're talking about, your phone calls and kind of getting an idea of where they're at, what they can do so you can figure out what the best course of action is? That and then requesting their sales reports. So actually knowing what they've done. And there are some tenants that, like the nationals, some don't report. And there's this new tool called geofencing, which is mobile data. And I've had some national tenants reach out and say, we're doing horribly, or the worst in the chain. And then you can pull up the geofencing tool and actually see that their traffic is back to where it was pre-COVID. So it's amazing how technology can help the landlords, much to the tenants' unhappiness. So I did have a few nationals that tried to play a little game with me, and then I was able to say, hmm, 
look at this geofencing report. I can see how many people were at your store yesterday. And it matches to February's traffic. So not going to help. Mm-hmm. So that was geofencing, like a fence? Yes, geofencing, okay. and it's mobile data. So in retail, for the last 35 years that I've been in business, demographics is hugely important. So when you've got a Starbucks or a Panera or a TJ Maxx or even some local tenants, they come to your shopping centers and they're interested in leasing space. They want to know what is the income, what's the daytime traffic, the employee base in the area, what are the traffic counts, et cetera, et cetera. Now there are tools. Uber has one and a company called Placer AI, and they have the ability to target your shopping center and tenants inside your shopping center. And they can provide you with a report that shows how many people were at your Panera Bread or your Starbucks up till yesterday. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. And demographics for the last 35 years were always based on census data, which is only done every 10 years. So for us in the retail industry to be using census data today that's based on 2010 in South Florida is completely full of errors. So to have this tool where I know exactly how many people drove into my parking lot up till midnight last night is very, very, very valuable. Perfect. So we talked about what you're going through right now. What is, and I know this is probably an impossible question, but I position it to say, what are your expectations for shopping centers moving forward, both from the perspective of your existing portfolio and then kind of what your plan is to whether acquire or get rid of some of your existing portfolio? So I'm not going to get rid of anything because I love all my projects and they're performing regardless. But looking forward, my big wish is that we get our kids back to school because the parents need to work. And that gives them disposable income to be able to come back and shop at our shopping centers. And while they're stuck at home, helping their kids homeschool is a problem for the retail world and the economy. So I'm praying that that happens. But to defend against that, I've been encouraging and even myself putting tutoring places, even at no rent, almost as a, like a PSA, a public service, in any vacancy in a shopping center where we could have Zoom sitting, where we hire a college student and parents can drop their kids off and get a couple hours reprieve at home because if they can work, they'll get more disposable income and that will filter down to us. They'll be able to eat out more, go shop more, et cetera. So it's schools. If schools aren't open, what can we as shopping center people with vacancies do to mitigate that? And then bring employees back because a lot of my small tenants said, I can't get my employees back because they need to be at home with their kids. So that's what I've been kind of preaching. How can we in the real estate industry help schools and help parents so that we can get people shopping again? I'm predicting 30% of the malls in our world have closed, our indoor malls. And I'm predicting that 50% of those never reopen. So us outdoor shopping center, strip center, power center, lifestyle center owners need to shift and start talking to those mall tenants. For example, Sephora and Foot Locker, those tenants 
in those markets where their malls have closed, we'll start looking for alternative opportunities, and that will be to us, the non-indoor mall people. So I do think that it will shift, and you'll see, oh, I used to go to that store in the mall, and you're going to start seeing that be in a more outdoor strip center, power center opportunity. And then what about buying? So where you or kind of what's your overall recommendation for people who are currently investing in shopping centers or want to get into shopping centers? Is now a good time? Should we wait? Should we not invest? What would you say back to that? I think that in the next year to two, there will be a lot of opportunities, especially with CMBS loans, because as All of our community lenders have worked with us as our tenants didn't pay. The CMBS lenders did not. So if you have a loan with a CMBS, a commercial-backed security mortgage, there was no deals made. And I think that the tenants don't make it. There will be a lot of CMBS loans going into default, and those will be opportunities. So my recommendation to anyone that's listening that would like to invest in retail is retail is very community, neighborhood-based. Like I said, my six centers are within 10 minutes of my house. So I know those centers, I know the market, I know the other landlords, and I know the tenants. I shop in these markets. So for anyone that's interested, pick a little area that you know well. Maybe you own a mobile home park down the street. Maybe you own multifamily nearby. Maybe you own office buildings. So pick an area that you know and start researching Who owns this property? The more vacancy in the asset, the more likely that that's going to go back to the bank or the lender, and you might have an opportunity to pick that up. And just start talking to retail leasing agents around that property to get information and get knowledge. And if your instinct is this was successful before, it's probably going to be successful again. When I buy, I look for strip centers that are parallel to busy streets. So there's no L-shaped corner spaces. They're just flush to a main street. I like high-income neighborhoods, high-income demographics where people have a lot of money. So even if they've hit a little bit of a hard time, they still have disposable income. And I like smaller, I don't like power centers. And I'm not really grocery anchored center investor. I'm not going to compete with all of the REITs out there that need to invest their money in grocery anchored. So I look for the multi-tenant, smaller strip centers, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 square feet that are right on the road, lots of traffic, great visibility. That's where the retailers want to be. They want to have great parking. They want to have great visibility to the main area where there's a lot of daytime traffic, lots of employee traffic nearby to feed the businesses and the restaurants. And going back to what you said about the properties that have CMBS loans on them, that there weren't any deals made with those lenders. And so you expect there to be properties going back to the banks. If I want to keep a lookout for that, how do I find those properties? Is there like a website I go to, but I need to talk to a leasing agent, as you said, or someone else? I think that you can reach out to the CMBS loan lenders themselves. You can find mortgage brokers and capital markets investment brokers in your area. Ask the leasing agents who are the top investment sale brokers. They can probably get you in, but it's really a who you know game. 
there for sure. And I don't think they publish lists. There are watch lists, but you need to know who to call to get that information. And it's a very tight club. Okay, Beth, is there anything else you want to mention as it relates to shopping centers and COVID or any other call to action you have before we conclude the interview? Well, my call to action is go shop local, right? Go out and pick up from your local restaurants, shop your local tenants. Those are small businesses who support our economy all across the country. So shop local, love local. And then if you have any other questions or want any more information from me, I have a website called Azor Academy. So www.azoracademy.com. And that has a ton of free information. I have over 150 free videos on YouTube under Beth Azor. So anything about retail leasing, you can find all of the information at either YouTube, Beth Azor, or azoracademy.com. Perfect. I'm actually following your advice right now. I've got Uber Eats on the way from a local restaurant. So I'm doing what you told me to do (laughs) already. All right, Bethel, thanks for joining us again and providing us with your insights into what you've been doing since the onset of the COVID outbreak. The biggest takeaway that I got was you had your days where you talked to the mom and pops were more open and listening and sympathetic. And then you put your armor on to talk to the national tenants. You mentioned that you weren't necessarily just listening but you were also confirming what you were hearing with the mom and pops. It was by requesting the sales reports to confirm that their revenue had actually gone down or was not existent. And then you mentioned technology called geofencing to check the mobile data at some of your national tenants who claim to have reduction in traffic or in reality they didn't. And then you mentioned some of the things that you want to see happen in order to help your residents, people going back to work, how you mentioned how you're putting up free tutoring in some of your vacant units. And then you also mentioned that you think that a lot of the malls that closed down aren't going to reopen. So there's going to be opportunities for shopping center landlords to bring on new tenants that are traditionally in the mall. And you gave some examples of that. And then opportunity wise in the next few years, you think there'll be a lot of properties that currently have CMBS loans that will be foreclosed on because there weren't any deals made with the lenders and the, and the owners then you also mentioned that if you are interested in buying, make sure that you are buying on centers that are parallel to busy streets, high income neighborhoods. We don't like the power centers. We don't like grocery anchored. And then it's very community and neighborhood based. All of yours are within 10 minutes of each other. So pick an area that you already know well. Maybe you already own property there. Maybe you live there. And then start figuring out who owns those properties, what their vacancy is right now, how they performed pre-COVID to the leasing agents to get this information to see if it makes sense to buy. So Beth, thanks again for joining us. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties, locate potential investors, or gain invaluable market insight in seconds. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail, which will help you close more deals with less stress. Visit your7dayfreetrial.com to start your free trial and experience all the amazing features PropStream has to offer. That's your7dayfreetrial.com. Ever wonder how the top in real estate got there? The Invest This podcast hosted by real estate investor Scott Bauer interviews the top names in the industry, giving you the tips and tricks that help you catapult your real estate business to success. Find them at 
investthispodcast.com.